Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. Jesus is telling them they'll weep and lament, first for him, then they'll weep and lament for themselves. But he says, your sorrow will be turned to joy. It's a season of sorrow, of trial, of persecution, of tribulation, of false accusation, but an eternity of joy with him. Happy Friday. In today's broadcast, we have part two of Pastor Sam's message, Another Comforter. We're taking up today in verse 12 of John chapter 15. Here, Jesus gives us hope for the future to come, a future in which he will return and in which all whom are in him will take part. So let's listen in. Well, he goes on to say, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I already mentioned the why of that. They're confused. They're depressed. They're discouraged. They can't process how can he be talking about the cross when we're looking forward to the crown? How can he be talking about dying when we want to rule and reign? And he said we're going to. In the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, he says, you who followed me will sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. That, by the way, is literal, will happen, will be a part of that kingdom. But, but they have specific places in it. And they were the first to walk with him and believe in him and be empowered by him and go out for him to change their world. Well, he says, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you in all truth. He'll not speak of his own authority. Whatever he hears, he'll speak and he'll tell you things to come. He's the spirit of truth. He guides us into the truth. He alone knows and reveals the future. We've already uh, process that, but he's saying it again. He will tell you things to come. Now, we live in a time when people embrace the most incredible and foolish lies. And the reason for it is very simple. They don't know God's word and they don't have God's spirit. Even the religious establishment of Jesus' day, it was made up of Pharisees and Sadducees. Pharisees, very conservative. They knew all of the word. They believed in all of the word. Of course, they only had the Old Testament, but it was enough. We have even more. We have the Old and the New Testament. We have the complete word of God. But then the Sadducees, well, they liked Moses, but they didn't believe a lot of the books that followed. And they kind of just, they saw the, the word of God like a smorgie. I'll get a little of that. I'll take, a, oh, I'll take a pile of that dessert. And so they, they took what they liked, but they disregarded what they didn't. And, and they come and they're, they're trying to trap Jesus regarding the, the, the resurrection, which they don't believe in. And they present this difficulty to him. They think it's a trap he'll never get out of. And he says, you do greatly err, not knowing the power of God, nor the scriptures. And listen, that's what's going on today. It's happening in the culture. That's why people in the culture, they're caught up in spirit guides instead of the Holy Spirit. Those spirit guides, they say, lead them to speak with and fellowship with their departed loved ones. 
But listen, we're going to be reunited with our loved ones in the air. The trumpet will sound, the dead in Christ rise first. We who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them and with him in the air. And it says, thus will for all, forever and always be with our Lord. And so we're not looking for some spirit guide to come along and say, hey, he, grandpa has something for you. No, listen, that's complete nonsense. And, and, and if it was just nonsense, that would be a problem. But these people are being deceived, not by God, because, well, he only tells the truth. He always does what's right. His spirit is the spirit of truth, the spirit of holiness. So not only do they believe, well, that their dead relatives visit them, which doesn't happen, by the way, but they're also told crazy things like you're going to meet this tall, dark stranger and, and, and well, you're going to spend the rest of your life with him. Now, I don't know how tall Satan is. And I don't know, you know, you know, well, I do know this. God is pure light and in him is no darkness. Satan is pure dark and in him there's no light. So that tall, dark stranger is waiting for them, but he's waiting to introduce them to hell where he will spend eternity with them. Why is he so hell-bent, if you can use the term, on bringing people with them? Misery loves company. And Satan knows his judgment is coming. And he's trying to take as many people down, not just so they'll be with him, but so that they won't be with the Lord. Because see, he hates the Lord. And he hates the people that love the Lord and the people that the Lord loves. Well, he goes on to say, he, when he, the Holy Spirit comes, the spirit of truth, he says, he will glorify me. And I mentioned that two weeks back when we looked at John 14, when the Holy Spirit is at work, Jesus gets the glory. People aren't saying how great this was or that was. They're saying how great he is. So the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. That means he never does anything to take the attention off of Jesus or to diminish Jesus in any way. His gifts, his power, they enable us to minister. So we don't try to operate in the energies of our flesh. You want to wear yourself out? Try doing the work of the Spirit in the energies of the flesh. Some of you are young and you're like, well, I think I could get some stuff done. Yeah, you can, but how much value will it be in the, the light of eternity? Do you know that God's not close to be as interested in what we want to do for him as what he wants us to do for him? The real question isn't, hey, will this be pleasing to you? It's like, what do you want me to do? I don't want to do something and then see if he's happy about it. I want to know that he's going to bless what I'm doing because I'm doing it in obedience to him and in the power of his spirit and for the benefit and blessing of the people he's entrusted to me. Well, he says of the Holy Spirit later in verse 14, he'll take of what is mine and declare it to you. Just as Jesus gave us the words of the Father, and now Jesus is back with the Father. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us on behalf of the Father, on behalf of the Son. And he's telling us and confirming in us what the Father and Son want us to know. All things the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said he will take of mine 
and declare it to you. A little while, verse 16, and you will not see me. Again, a little while and you'll see me because I go to the Father. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, what is this he says to us? A little while and you will see me. And again, a little while and you will see me and not see me. And because I go to the Father. And they said, therefore, what is this that he says? A little while. We don't know what he's saying. Well, there's a lot of little whiles in that paragraph. And for some reason, they were very confused by them. And many are confused today. So there are, are, are some who say, well, I think he was talking about this. Or I think he was talking about this. Listen, the question would be simple. Is he talking about I'm going away through the cross and you won't see me, but then you will see me? The answer to that has to be yes. In their context, they're going to be gone and I'll be back. It's definitely talking about his death, his burial. Their, their hopes are dashed on the, on the Emmaus Road. Those disciples that talked with Jesus said we had hoped that he would be the one. But, and they begin to explain why they'd lost their hope. Well, Jesus gave them a fresh dose of it and they recognize him at, when he breaks bread with them. But all of that to say, the first little while, because he's got a bunch of little whiles. The first little while was very little. It was just three days, dead, buried, and risen again the third day. The next little while has to do with the 40 days he would spend among them. And then it says, because I go to the Father, what does he do? He ascends in their very sight into heaven. He ascends in the cloud and the angel standing by says, this same Jesus will so come in like manner as you've seen him go. How's Jesus coming back? He's coming in the clouds. First for us, then the tribulation, the seven year period of tribulation and great tribulation where his wrath is poured out on a Christ rejecting world. It's so important that we process this. Jesus died, not just for our sins, but for the sins of all men. But those who reject his offer of pardon and forgiveness, refusing to believe and put their faith in him, they die in their sin. So he comes, he dies, he rises again, he's with the Father, he'll come for us, we'll be with him his wrath will be poured out. Revelation 6 through 19, you can read it and understand it. If you take most of it literally, there's some figurative language there. But the majority of what's said, you can understand because locust is locust and water is water. And all those things, people are people. And if you don't have to try to figure out, well, what could locust be? They're locust. By the way, did you read about the plague of locusts that they're expecting to descend and, and, and it's coming? It's going to be the worst famine in history. And, and, and one thing after another, we'll come back to this, by the way, in just a moment, because there's some application for those of us living in these days, because he guides us in all truth and he wants us to know the time in which we're living and that the time is short. And there are signs that we should be aware of and watching for that will tell us, get ready. Your redemption draws nigh. Well, anyway, he, he was talking about his death, burial and resurrection and then presenting himself to him. He was talking about presenting himself for 40 days, then his ascension into heaven, then his coming again for them and for us. And then ultimately returning to earth after the tribulation time 
So you have the seven um, years of tribulation, Revelation 6 through 19. He returns in chapter 19, chapter 20, a thousand year rule and reign of Jesus upon the earth. It's called the millennium. And listen, there are people I talk to and they say, we're already in the millennium. And I'm like, dude, I've read the whole Old Testament. If this is it, we're being ripped off. This is not what he promised. He promised real peace, lasting peace, prosperity, godly leadership and rulership. Why? He himself will rule and reign from Jerusalem. Listen, that's why Jerusalem is such a hotbed and people are so tripping over that land and that city because it's the city where God put his name and built his temple and where Jesus ascended from and will return to, to rule and reign upon the earth. Well, anyway, all of that leads us to this. We have a place reserved for us in the Father's house. He tells his disciples and we read it. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go, I'll come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you will be also. So when we get to heaven, we'll be with him. When he returns to the earth, we'll be with him. That's the real glory of that, that the rapture and the resurrection, that it's all about us being with Jesus. It'll be awesome to see our loved ones who've gone before us. Those of you who've lost children, or husbands or wives or brothers or sisters, parents, grandparents. And, and I would think among us, most if not all of us have lost someone like that or someone else close to us. But if they died in Jesus, we will be with them, reunited with them in the air, but thus will forever be with our Lord. Well, anyway, verse 19, Jesus knew they desired to ask him and he said to him, are you inquiring among yourself what I said? A little while and you'll see me. And again, a little while and you'll see me. And, and, and he says, most assuredly I say to you, you'll weep and lament, but the world will rejoice and you'll be sorrowful and your sorrow will be turned to joy. Listen, this will be fulfilled when they see their Lord crucified, their sorrow will be great. People will be celebrating Jesus' demise. It will also happen when they suffer for Jesus, as he said they would, and we will in this world, this chapter will conclude with when we get there, in this world, you will have tribulation. He, he, he says, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Not the great tribulation or the tribulation of God's wrath. That's him pouring out his wrath. The tribulation we experience doesn't come from God. It comes from people who hate him and hate us because we love him. Hate us because we tell them the truth, even if we speak it in love. Jesus is telling them they'll weep and lament first for him, then they'll weep and lament for themselves. But he says, your sorrow will be turned to joy. It's a season of sorrow, of trial, of persecution, of tribulation, of false accusation, but an eternity of joy with him. A woman, he says, verse 21, when she's in labor has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she's given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. 
Therefore, now you have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. And in that day, you'll ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Two things, the image of a woman giving birth Jesus takes that same image and he talks about the end times. And though no one knows the, the day or the hour, we know the times and seasons. He says wars and rumors of wars, famines, pestilence, earthquakes. And, and listen, we're seeing all that. And then the cynic or the skeptic or the unbeliever says, yeah, well, there've always been wars. There've always been world wars and rumors of wars. There've always been famines and pestilence and earthquakes and such. Yeah, but they're increasing. And here's your answer. They're increasing in frequency and intensity. And he says, that's how you'll know that it's getting close. Matthew 24 Read it and memorize as much of it as you can. Mark 13, same story, a little condensed, easier for those of you with short memories. Uh, uh, and then Luke 21, all three talk about those times and, and that season. And, and Luke especially, you gotta love him because he says, when all these things begin to happen, look up, your redemption draws nigh. He also says, pray that you would be found worthy to stand before the Son of Man and escape all these things that will come upon the earth. Pray that you'll be worthy, found worthy to escape all these things that will come upon the earth and stand before the Son of Man. Why is that important? Because the tribulation he's telling them they're going to go through is not the tribulation the world will face. And he says, it's fine to pray that he'll take us out of here because he promised to do it and said, hey, here's what you can pray. Pray that you won't be here. You'll be with me when my wrath is poured out on them. Well, that woman in labor, it's birth pains. It's that picture of, you know, when the birth pains increase in frequency and intensity that, well, the time is close. And that's exactly what he said will happen in the last days. The things that are happening, it, it, it's true we have better reporting. We know more about what's going on in the world, but we always knew it just took longer to get the information. It used to be that if there was an earthquake somewhere across the world, it could be months before we heard about it. But now we, we're watching it in real time and that has end times implications we won't go into now, but at another time we certainly will. In any case, he applies this to them. They'll deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Many will be offended, will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations and the end will come. By the way, forgive me, that's Matthew 24, uh, four down through verse 12. I, I was reading it to you as if you could look in the Bible and it's gonna be right there. It's not, but it is in Matthew 24. And, and so listen, tribulation delivered up, false prophets, false Christ, lawlessness abounding. 
Does that not sound like you're just reading the news? Because it does to me. Well, these things, Jesus says, verse 25, I've spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language. I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. And I don't say you shall pray the, I'll pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you because you've loved me and believed I came forth from God. Do you know, he taught him early on to pray, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He didn't say, pray to me so I can pray to him. And he certainly didn't say, pray to mom so I can pray to, to, to she can pray to him. He simply said, pray to the Father and we pray to the Father in the name of the Son and in the power of the Spirit who guides us in all truth as we go along. He says, listen, I came forth, verse 28, from the Father and have come into the world. And again, I leave and go to the Father. And the disciples said, see, now you're speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. And we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. But by this, we believe that you came forth from God. You know, they say, now we know you know all things. Well, some of them knew that. I'm not sure Peter's there yet because he'll still be saying, no way and you don't get it, Lord. And no, that will never happen. Or here, I can protect you. Peter will eventually confess this, but it'll be at his restoration. When Jesus says, all of you will deny me or forsake me, Peter's like, I won't. And he's like, you'll deny me three times. And I'm sure Peter's still like, no, that's not gonna happen either. But it happens. And when Jesus restores him publicly after restoring him privately, he says, do you love me? And he's like, well, yeah, I, I love you, Lord. And, and there's intricacies in the language and it's for another time. We'll get to it and get to look at it some weeks or months out. And then he's like, well, do you love me? And, and, and he's like, yeah, you know. And then he's like, do you love me? And, and he's like, you know all things. And he's like, oh, that's what we were waiting for, Peter. Thank you very much. But, but here, you know all things. They're all getting it. Peter's a little slow on the uptake. Jesus answered and said, do you now believe the hour is coming and has come that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone? And yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. These things I've spoken to you that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation and never confuse the tribulation and the persecution and the rejection and the hatred of the world with the tribulation of God pouring out his wrath on the world that hated and rejected him and refuses to repent. Listen, he says it's not his will any perish, but all come to repentance. But repentance is something you have to do. He can't do that for you. He sent a son who died for your sins, was buried and rose again. He offers you forgiveness and pardon and cleansing, life eternal, a gift. But you have to turn from your sin and believe in him. You have to repent of your sin and put your faith in him. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. There is a single word that encapsulates much of what we learned in this study today. That word is hope. 
and I would like you to consider something. There is no tragedy, there is no situation, there is no season of woe, there is nothing that brings us lament in this world that is permanent. There is no remedy to those things in which we cannot place our hope. If we truly place our faith, trust, and hope in Jesus Christ, it should absolutely change the outlook we have on the circumstances of our lives. There really is only one tragedy, and that's the tragedy of the lost, the tragedy of those who die in their sins. Understanding this can help lend a little perspective to what God deems as most important and give us a little understanding about what we should see as a priority. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.